you're either going to call it out or you're going to be the change that the world needs. And that's what a cycle breaker is, is the cycle breaker is the change that the world needs and from a place of love and courage, because it takes courage to speak the truth. Sure does. It takes courage to face your own demons, takes courage to speak up to what's been in motion and been set, what's been structure for so many generations when it's not healthy. When we don't take care of the pain, we just create more pain. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest today is Vanessa Badger. I initially connected with Vanessa when I came across her Instagram Cycle Breakers Club. This conversation is full of truth and discovery and pain and healing and love. Listen in as to tenderhearted dreamers talk about breaking cycles and being a stand for love. Join us now in the Trauma Hiders Club. Vanessa, I'm so glad you're here. I'm I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you. It's just yeah. already just getting getting started. Feels so comfortable. I know this is gonna be a really fun, engaging conversation. Yes, yes. I love your warm energy. And although our listeners can't see what's going on behind us or on video, I see that uh, that hiking. What is that when you build with stones? What is that called behind? Oh gosh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, when you stack the stones. Yeah, I forgot balance. what that's called. It's kind of like a meditation practice. I forget. Oh, I don't know the name. That's funny because I've only done it when hiking. Not that I'm such a big hiker, but I have only done it when hiking. My son and I went to Iceland and we, wait, it's coming to me. It'll come to me. And I'm just shouted out during the show. So our <laughs> listeners will be like, what the hell? But okay, that's, <laughs> if you've been listening to the show, you know what the hell is often a question. So here we are in the Trauma Hiders Club. What are you hiding right now? Mm, That's a great question. What am I hiding? Hmm. Okay. Well, the first thing that first things that come up are the things that I used to hide. And maybe that'll lead me to where I'm at right now. But um, when I was younger, I was um, I was abused by my um, grandfather. It was between the age of three and five. And I know that there's a lot of individuals that dissociate and they don't remember, but I did. I remember not all of it, but I remember bits and pieces and I was traumatized by it and I was haunted. I mean, the right word would be haunted. I couldn't sleep. 
I would have nightmares um, and I would was afraid to tell my mom. So I would just pretend like I would make up nightmares. I would say like, oh, I I was dreaming about these dinosaurs. And and so I would just come up with just so that I could sleep in her bed and feel safe. And because um, the, you know, being abused, I was taking in middle nights like when I was sleeping. So I just I had a lot of trauma with with that and things happened along the way in my life. And but I ended up telling my mother at the age of seven. I could not handle the secrecy and pretending that everything was okay. And then, cause uh, he lived in a different country and there was, and he was going to be coming back. And I was just, my whole body was going into fear, like the anxiety, the, I didn't know what was going on. And our bodies are, that's the medium for us to access what's going on in the non-conscious mind. That's that's we check out of the body, but it's it's where we need to be in order to connect with our subconscious mind, which is always trying to communicate, you know, the things that are that are within our system, within our being that that's saying you're out of balance, you're you're not in harmony, you know, you're there's toxic stress happening in the in the system right now and it's jeopardizing your health. And and so again, I didn't know these concepts at the time, but I ended up telling my mother at age seven. And it was interesting. I had a like when she had her reaction, I kids do this. We get so uncomfortable sometimes. We don't know how to act. And our our bodies can go in one string or the other. I started kind of like laughing. I I couldn't control. I was I was chuckling. I, I was so uncomfortable with her reaction and, and what she was going through with the shock of it that I was laughing. And she, I remember her saying, this isn't funny. And I'm like, I don't think this is funny either. I just mm. can't control it. And, it was just your release. Yes, exactly. And so that, that began for me. And I know there's a lot of the, a lot of women that come up, even men that have come across my, my path and have shared their story with me, but they still haven't told their family. And I always, you know, investigate a little bit and real. And I, and I've, I've actually pointed this out to some individuals where I said, you've been dealing with anxiety, anxiety and depression. You've been managing that for the last two decades. Do you think there's a connection between the secrecy and what's going on with your emotional well-being? And I've had a couple of them, what, you know, first denial, but then like, wow, yeah, maybe that is it. And most of the time, the secrets that are kept are not to protect ourselves. We're actually sacrificing our own well-being because we're doing it for other people. We want to, we don't want to mess up the the family, we don't want to create drama. We, oh, they've already got enough on their plate. I had that some, someone tell me that the other day that I was working with. She's like, yeah, I don't, my, my parents already have so much like health issues already got so much on their plate. You know, there's, I don't want to bombard them with even more, but really the telling the truth is not for other people. It's for, for yourself. It's to give yourself freedom and to validate that inner child or that, that younger part of you that went through that trauma to say your voice matters and you do not need to shove this down and live with it. And, and it's, it might seem counterintuitive, but actually speaking the truth and getting it out there as uncomfortable as that is, it's a huge release and it's transformative. It is a, is walking through a portal of, of transformation. And so, yeah, that was the first time I, I started, you know, I I shared something that was haunting me a secret and. um, Wow. What? I I just want to slow you down for a minute that seven-year-old child was incredibly brave and incredibly insightful 
and so much self-awareness. You know, as much as you said, you didn't know what was happening, but you did know it wasn't right. You listened and you, you know, you didn't have the maturity to say, hold on a minute, this isn't right. And yet you knew, right? Like for me, it was also my grandfather and it started when I was 10 and I somewhat knew uh, I was starting to learn about, you know, how my body was developing. It's kind of when you have, what are they? Oh, they used to call it sex ed. Like it happened. Sex ed was happening later in my school year. So I wasn't sure that that's what I was experiencing. I didn't really know how babies were made. I didn't really know. I knew that there was something, right? There was something about two people and being together. And my fear was that I was pregnant at 10. I hadn't had my period or anything, but I didn't know about that part. And I did not tell. I did not tell. In fact, I didn't tell till I was 21. But I did spend from the first incident happened, I think it was like in December, it was over a break. And I then spent the rest of the school year imagining how I was going to navigate this pregnancy while being at overnight camp. Right. And where I was going to run to, because I knew there was something called like halfway houses and I mean, just like a whole thing, right? These are the things that we do. And yet, Vanessa, you, you released that at seven, not that it's always released from the rest of your life, but you shared. And tell me, tell me something. What was your mother's response? I know the response to your laughter, but what was, how did she receive what you told her? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was actually, it compounded the trauma. Mm-hmm. Her first response, and I'm an adult now and, and I, I've confronted her about it and we've talked about it and, and I get it. Like, I understand with compassion, I've gotten to that point. I understand. But for many years, it bothered me. Her first response was, I told you not to sit on anybody's lap. Oh, my. Yeah. And so at, even at seven, I, I just felt so like sorry. Registered. Yeah, it was. And I carried that with me thinking mm-hmm. that it's like, it's like I brought it upon myself. And my spirit is very loving and carefree and, and, and loves people and loves to socialize. I'm an extrovert. And my, my fifth, my kindergarten teacher was, I remember sitting in a conference and she says, you know, she knows all her information. She knows everything she's ahead, but she's a social butterfly (laughs) and she's, you know, distracting the other kids. And I remember thinking, ah, social butterfly. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't want that? That's so sparkly. I'm a social butterfly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh, if I, yeah, definitely, look, count me up, I'll be a social butterfly for anything. Um, And so that really, that impacted me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And 10 years old is when I had a mindset transformation. Hmm. I realized that you can be haunted by the idea and not even know it. Now you, I, I can't even imagine dealing with the mind can really play a powerful role. You were not pregnant, but you thought you were. And think about how it impacted your entire life for that. And the turmoil, the inner turmoil and the stress that you mm-hmm. were carrying and not being able to talk to anybody about it. I mean, that my heart just, my heart feels so deeply for that little girl, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and 
And the journey oftentimes is alone. We usually walk this path alone through our childhood. It's not till we're older. So it could be a very lonely journey. And when I was 10 years old, I had shoved it out of my mind, you know, as we do, we're like, mm-hmm. don't think about it. Just go on with life. That's survival mode. We just right. got to, you know, want to enjoy this childhood. want to, want to get through this life. And, but I remember I was 10 years old and honestly, I, I couldn't have asked for this to happen. I or orchestrate this to happen. I came, I was coming in from recess and I realized that I was really sad that I was actually just pretending to be happy. I was putting a smile on my face. It was this kind of metacognition Hmm. where I was observing myself, thinking of my thinking. It was, wow. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I wasn't in any classes. I wasn't in any therapy, nothing. I, my mom never got me anything type of support. Mm-hmm. Everything I've done is on my own, which is very normal, I think. Um, yeah. and, and at least for my cohort, my our generations, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, I, I'm putting on a smile on my face, but I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Why, what's going on? And I realized I was pretending to put a smile on my face, but really I was secretly carrying shame. I felt mm-hmm. like everybody could see that I was damaged and that I was that I was disgusting or that, um, that I was tainted and that I was just trying to get love or to be accepted, but really I didn't deserve it. Yep. And it was heavy to realize this, like, wow, I, I feel shameful. I feel. And you knew that at 10 or, you know, that now, like you could name it. I knew it at 10. Wow. I'm telling you, this was an out of body experience. Yeah. I really think it was a, I, I quantify it as a spiritual experience because I could not at 10 years old, think these things. And it it goes on the transformation that happened. This mindset transformation was, wow. Okay. Why do I feel shameful? Like, why, why am I sad? Why am I going through the motions? Why do I feel like everyone can see that I'm broken? What's this about? Mm -hmm. I didn't even connect it with my trauma. Hmm. So then I sat with it a little bit longer and I mean, these are milliseconds going on. It felt like longer, but then I I thought, oh, it's because of being molested when I was Mm -hmm. a toddler and my mom saying this and, and the whole family, not believing me and Mm -hmm. telling me, then telling me I need to learn to forgive We're family and just feeling just so disgusted with it. And, and also resentful. And I thought, wow, that's what, that's what I'm carrying around. Hmm. And the next stage of this experience was I got angry because I was like, hell no. I mean, I didn't say hell no as a 10 year old, but I was, I got angry and angry is a really helpful emotion. Yes. It's actually, when you look at the frequencies of emotions up from shame is the lowest and you work your way up because each has its own vibration, just like brainwaves have vibrations and frequencies, emotions do too, all the way up to love and, and enlightenment. Anger is actually in the middle. Hmm. it's a very helpful emotion. And I try to share that with people because yes, get angry. If you need to let that help you break free, let that help you claim your power and your, your autonomy. And for me, it was hell no, that monster does not get to keep ruining my life. Hmm. He does not get to keep torturing me and having power over me. Hmm. No way, Jose. I was, and I remember thinking this, this is truly my words. I remember thinking I was born a happy soul. I'm a happy person. That's Mm. who I am. I am Mm. not this. I'm not my shame. I'm not my sadness. That's not who I am. I am 
happy. And then I had another thing. This is why this, this is a spiritual for me, transformation. I was born and I had a lot of sickness when I was little, hmm. I was born with a rare disease. I should have died by the time I was one. They didn't know what was going on. So it was a lot of tests and surgeries and I was a sick a lot and in and out of the hospital. And so when I share this, it's, there's two sides. It's the, it's a sexual trauma and then it's the, the medical trauma. Sure. And so I remember thinking, you know what, this world, this earth, this life experience can, can do what it wants to this body. Mm-hmm. But it's never going to touch my soul. It's mm-hmm. never going to touch the spirit because mine is pure. I knew that. Mm-hmm. So I felt my wholeness for the first time that I wasn't, I wasn't what happened to me. Right. And that that person could not take that from me. And so from that place forth, I owned my happiness. That mm-hmm. was the mindset transformation was that my happiness is mine and I'm in charge of it. I have power over that. And that's when I started my journey of, of, of just embodying inner peace and being the happy soul that I am and learning. And I'm sensitive. I'm, I'm, I am very sensitive, empathic. And so I started studying, like, what is, what is this? What, how can I, how come I can feel other people's emotions? Like, so I got into energy and meditation and, and it was, it's just been a beautiful journey since Mm. then. So that's, wow. That's all. Okay. So one, okay. Over here, what's happening over here is awe and astonishment and pain and relatability, total connection. And I'm so honored to be in this space with you. Thank you. I yeah. feel so so at home talking with you. And I just feel this connection. I'm just so grateful that you're giving me the space to share my story. Absolutely. Like I said, it's been a lonely one. You know, I I don't get to share this too often. So it, yeah, for someone to understand, that's just another thing. It's huge. Yes. Yeah. There's another piece of me that it's a weird thing that as I was listening, I was like, fuck, man. It took me nearly 50 years to come to a place of recognizing my shame, recognizing my story. I didn't know what these things were right within me and calling them and releasing guilt, shame, stories of filth, stories of unlovability, unworthiness. I mean, it's, I held that for so long that the undoing only happened over. I don't know, the past five, six years. So I'm imagining this life where you navigated, right? You you came to the place of enlightenment, I suppose, reckoning, mm-hmm. reconciling, um, reckoning. And, and yet we walk the same path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really, I mean, Look, our humanity is right there with us. We're all, we're all walk, right? As they say, we're all walking each other home. And here we are, two souls who have, who connected over Instagram and mm-hmm. yet so connected in our story and our experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. really cool. One of the reasons why I reached out to you, Anessa, is your Instagram, is it called Cycle Breakers Club? Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, here we are in the Trauma Hiders Club. So (laughs) like 
the fact that you even named it that and I named mine that <laughs> and so cool. Right. And like this, when I was deep in inner child work, something that I imagined as a badge was like a beautiful sparkly badge, almost like, or perhaps even a sash was like cycle breaker. It was all glittery, right? Like I am the cycle breaker. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Like, you know how the Girl Scout, I was never a Girl Scout. I was not Girl Scout material, but like, you know how the Girl Scouts have those sashes? Like mine was cycle breaker. That's, that's what I imagined. And I see that as part of my mission. Not only is my mission to normalize the conversation around trauma, but within my own family, I'm fucking breaking this cycle of, you know, whatever it is, lie, cheat, uh, manipulate, violate. And um, so that was really where I was like, hold on a minute. Here's a woman who has a cycle breakers club. And I'm fascinated with this sense of cycle breaking. So if you would tell me what is a cycle breaker in your world? What is a cycle breaker? Okay. So a cycle breaker is an individual who feels the calling, has this courageous spirit to be the one that puts an end to perpetuating generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's it's the it's the secrecy, it's the lies, it's the um children are they're not meant to be heard. It's it's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. And not perpetuating the pain. Like unres- pretty much what it comes down to is it's a courageous individual who is not going to let their trauma be unresolved and is not going to be unconscious to it and allow their own trauma to perpetuate and affect their children unknowingly. There's so many generations that just that shove it down, don't address it, don't deal with it. And then they're, they wonder why they're reactive. They wonder why they never want to hear their kids cry, why they're, te- they're, you know, they're spanking their kids and telling them, you didn't have it as hard as me and you don't know what it's like and you have it easy. That kind of language is so damaging to a child. And even if someone doesn't have children, a cycle breaker is still like there's people in your life that you love that if you don't deal with what you've gone through, yeah, then you're going to, it's going to come out in those relationships. And, and I'll even throw it, go even further. Even if you're someone that has not experienced trauma, you came from a, not, you feel like a good home, but you see in the family dynamics that there's secrets and there's, and no brushing things under the rug and the hypocrisy hypocrisy is mm-hmm. another big one. You're either going to call it out or you're going to be the change that the world needs. And that's what a cycle breaker is, is the cycle yeah. breaker is the change that the world needs and yeah. from a place of love and courage, because it takes courage to speak the truth. Sure does. It takes courage to face your own demons. It takes courage to speak up to what's been in motion and been set, what's been a structure for so many generations right. when it's not healthy. Yeah. What do you think would happen if we didn't break cycles? Like what's the downside of just letting it be? <laughs> well, I go straight to thinking about ACEs, um, adverse childhood experiences um, mm-hmm. and the studies that's been done. And it's even posted on the CDC website. The There has been scientific proof that 
the connection between childhood trauma and childhood adverse experiences, whether your parents got divorced or you witnessed domestic violence, a parent went to prison, you were sexually trauma. Even economic or economic issues or war or- Yes, exactly. Poverty, all of that. These adverse childhood experiences have a direct connection to estimated lifespan, chances of, of death, and the reasons behind that. It also is connected to how many prison cells, they, the, the government actually estimates how many prison cells they're gonna need in 20, 30 years based on the percentage of our population that have had adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Because what ends up happening is when this is not addressed, what do we do? We hurt ourselves. Right. We don't wanna hurt other people. So you have people that are addicted to drugs that are that are numbing, they're self-medicating themselves. Mm-hmm. and. Like my, my, my father, he, he was not in our lives. And I, and I see the traumas that he went through as a child and how he couldn't give up partying because he was just numbing himself. Yes. And then my mother, who was the other extreme, she never, she doesn't touch alcohol or any kind of drugs, but she also had her unresolved trauma and she was reactive. She was a loose cannon. It it was just, she couldn't, she wasn't emotionally stable Mm -hmm. and she would say things that she would regret later. And when we don't take care of the pain, we just create more pain. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We create more pain within ourselves. We create create more pain, not that we create, right? As a whole, create, there's more pain within a family, within a community, within a city, right? You just right. B- keep building on and on globally, more pain mm-hmm. unless we stop this system. Absolutely. Yes. And that pain is, is so rooted in fear, fear of speaking up, fear of addressing what you've been dealing with. And yet it's the only way that we can all experience inner freedom. It comes down to either fear or freedom. What do you want to live in? You want to live in fear or you want to be free from the past because that's what, that's what that is. It's all the past, carrying the past with us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you, my question initially was, what do we gain by breaking cycles? And I think we've touched on what we gain. I think there's a deeper question. And that deeper question is, who do we need to be to break cycles? Who do we need to be? In order to be the best version of ourselves, and this is just coming up. It's it's something that um, I usually don't introduce until later after you know having more conversations of other things. But what it, I have discovered is we need to relearn love. Yeah. What is love? What is true love? Mm-hmm. What does real love look like? What does that look like with ourselves? What does it look like in relationships? Because when you know that you're being reactive, and you're letting your own unresolved hurts spew out on someone else, that's not true love. Yeah. When you can't take a breather and you decide that you're just going to get really reactive instead of responsive, you're not loving yourself. You're not loving your relationships. Mm-hmm. When you're telling a kid, your child, I say kid, but when you're telling a child, your own child or someone else's child, you're okay. Don't brush it off. Mm-hmm. That's not true love. No. When we shame our, our kiddos for being angry they don't know how to deal with anger. So they are using aggression. And then we shame them for that. That's not true love. Mm-hmm. True love wants to develop that the ability to self-regulate true love wants to teach emotional intelligence. 
And this is why I went into, I didn't realize it, but I went into child development and family studies as my degree. And it was the deepest, it was like, I got a degree in inner child healing and a degree in shadow work. Mm, (laughs) I mean, really, it was like major shadow work for myself, Mm -hmm. for my family, for family dynamics. And I relearned what true love is. What is healthy? What does healthy love look like? And when I was able to do that, I started catching myself. And now, I mean, I'll tell you one of my greatest accomplishments and one of my greatest life rewards are the relationships in my life. My best friends, my girlfriends, we've never backstabbed each other. We don't, there's no jealousy. There's, it's only uplifting how we as a sisterhood, as women need to be, you're beautiful. You can mm-hmm. do this, like get all that attention, achieve your goals. And then it's vice versa. I'll tell you the other thing with psycho breaking for me and my journey is um, aside from parenting, I'm with the, the, the love of my life. Mm. I know that all the work that I did to learn, it puts me in a position to be able to deserve this kind of love and to nurture it and nourish it. And I'll tell you, one of my, my life dreams is like, oh, I would love the 50th wedding anniversary mm. with our loved ones nearby. But I remember one time I was driving and I remember thinking, oh, we're having our third or fifth anniversary. And I was, I was really excited, but then I got really sad. I'm like, oh, well, then that means I, I only have 45 years left with him. Like, I was just like, I don't know. I, I digress. But the point is, is that my father, I'll tell you on my mother's side, <clears throat> there wasn't divorce, but there was so much uh, domestic violence. There mm-hmm. was sexual abuse, betrayal on my father's side, generations of divorce, mm. generations of children out of wedlock. Yeah. I didn't grow up with aunts and uncles because we had to cut them off. And my mom being single mother and, and raising us three kids I didn't have any models of what Mm. a healthy marriage or relationship looked like. So I really had to study. I had to hit the books. Yeah. So that's a part of cycle breaking is you got to relearn. One, you got to learn how to self-regulate, invest in developing your emotional intelligence, and then study what true love really looks like. What does a healthy relationship look like? Yeah. I love that. Right. Even if it's, you don't have to necessarily hit the books, but to observe and say, oh, yes, yes, right? Like, is that to notice love, even whether it's a sound, a touch, a look, a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to, I, I wanna, if we could roll back the tape, which we don't do in a podcast, but there's something that you said that I, I want to point to. And this is not typically a coaching session, but there is something that for me, a lot came up and you said that you did all this work in child child development and early childhood work and that's why you were worthy of love and i want you to know and i want any listener to know you were born worthy of the kind of love that you have oh amen to that that's so true i'm so yes. grateful that you caught that and I'm just sitting here with that because mm-hmm. it was my younger self that was that, that came up. And while we're talking, that younger part of me right there that yeah. was doing it was like her voice just came out to say that. And you caught that. I just want to yeah. thank you so much because I love her. Yeah. And I love her spirit. And you're right. She's totally worthy no matter what. I'm yeah. totally worthy no matter what. And it's not about earning. And gosh, that registers so deeply and beautifully. I'm so grateful 
for that. Yes. My warrior saw your warrior speaking that, right? That need to earn it. And yet our inner children know no fucking way. We're here. We're amazing. We can mm. do anything and we quote unquote deserve it all. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. And I still, I still, even though I've, I've come so far and it's been an amazing, it's been amazing. And, and I just feel more and more connected to all that is and beauty and trust and faith. There's still layers. Like there's still a bunch Hell of layers yes. that we work through. And yes, I've been noticing a, that a lot with my entrepreneurship, you know, working through the fears that come up with that and the mm. worthiness that comes with that. And, and so it's, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Call me. I'll help you through your woes of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I am. I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. I really am. Yes. Um, for listeners, if you are also building anything, I have re recommended the book that I read to begin my coaching practice after, you know, doing some work in coaching and it's the prosperous coach by two of my coaches. One is Rich Litvin and the other is Steve Chandler. So if you are considering building anything, I think that in, that includes an enrollment process where you're enrolling others, read this book. It's The Prosperous Coach. It's amazing. Okay, so quickly tell me, what are you most excited about in your world? What am I most, okay, so let's see here. I'm excited. Okay, so being a cycle breaker, and we talked about different layers you have to break through. You know, and, and there's, you know, our own drama, trauma, not drama, but trauma too. Yeah. Uh, generational, yeah. generational. So I come from poverty and I come from uh, my generation and, you know, epigenetics where we, mm -hmm. and we can inherit, they've proven that we can inherit trauma, but they've also discovered neuroplasticity. We can reprogram yeah. neural groups in our brain. So I'm working on that. That's what I'm so excited about is I am changing the narrative that, Poverty is, is my family's, you know, is that's what my family inherited. No, we're all entitled to abundant abundance. Yes. That is our birthright. And so I'm currently shedding and, and transforming those fears and working with my mindset on a subconscious and non-conscious level of abundance. And, and so it's, it's new layers of worth and that I'm working through. And those are um, related to what I've really inherited with generation through mm. generational trauma and, and losing, you know, homes and losing businesses and failure, the fear of failure and just having enough, that idea, just having enough or being satisfied with just enough. And so I'm breaking, that's what I'm excited about right now is that I've been breaking through, the, through those uh, limiting beliefs wow. that are not mine. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. With the reminder, right, that because they're lim limiting beliefs, they will continue to surface up, right? They will continue to show themselves. Yet we are not the people who are going to fight for those limiting beliefs. We are the people who are going to notice them and let them go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, yes. That's who we are. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And and really connecting to those empowering beliefs that right. are truths they're yes. just register as truth so I do my little practices every single day I have you know I do my meditation I have my uh, meditation is really important for me uh, that's something that's one of my tools breathing and journaling and so I'm still I still do all this stuff yeah. because it's 
it serves my highest good and it helps me stay balanced and it helps me stay responsive to life instead of reactive. Love and it. who benefits from that? My children, yeah. my husband, yes. the people I love the most. And you. And me. Yes. And you. Absolutely. <laughs> I get to be my happy soul. <laughs> yes. What has been most helpful for you being here in the Trauma Hiders Club? Oh my goodness. This has been really powerful to share my story and mm. to feel heard and just even you saying like, wow, you did that. Like you overcame that. And, and that's, that's really amazing. And, and you did it. And just to feel that genuine appreciation, appreciation is not the right word, but celebration, like that Mm -hmm. genuine celebration that it's not, you know, when one of us wins, when one of us reconnects with, with our, our true worth, like we were talking about and releases the pain and and can overcome that and and get back to that balance that we all, we all win when that happens, getting that freedom, freedom from the past, you know? So I really, this has been really wonderful to to connect with the like-minded person who understands and celebrates who I am today. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. I, I do. Not only am I celebrating you, I acknowledge your inner child warrior, your cycle breaker, your grown ass woman who is fighting for what's good and what's right and only in the best way possible. I'm so glad you've been here. I'm so glad we connected. And I have a feeling this is the beginning. And although it's the end of this episode, it's the beginning of continued conversations. So thank you so much for being here. With pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I'll talk to you again soon. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.